0: Hey, Amanda. Hey, Tommy. Hey, have you seen the
1: Reginald Vell Johnson movie where he plays a cop?
0: Isn't that every Reginald Johnson movie?
1: It is. Um, I'm talking about the one that happens to be Christmas-themed.
0: Clearly one of the best Christmas movies ever. We must be doing Die Hard. We are, and that's today... On Can We Talk About?
2: Hi, I'm Kyle. Can We Geek About is a new podcast from Gotham West. Each week, JJ and I will delve into the geekier side of pop culture from our favorites in science fiction and fantasy to new releases and even maybe rag on some absolute flops. We promise that even if you don't like what we have to say, you'll like how we say it. But anyway, can we geek about? Did you really need me here for this? I just needed a ride. (sighs) Can we geek about? So give us a listen, subscribe or follow, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me.
0: I'm afraid not. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo... Marshal Dillon.
2: I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequins shirts.
0: Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee guy, motherfucker. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Amanda. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. so long. So uh, we've missed you all, but full disclosure, this was 100% my fault. I decided um, this year hadn't been enough of a menagerie of fuckery that I decided what would be fun to cap the year off by getting RSV and then simultaneously pneumonia and then right after that laryngitis for two weeks with zero voice. Not like a squeaky voice, but like not even sound came out.
1: You got like... A full house of whatever viruses or sicknesses are out in the world. Yeah.
0: I said, it was like, go big or go home, baby. And I went all the way home. I went back to the motherland.
1: You're like Pokemon, but with whatever seasonal sicknesses are out in the world.
0: Yeah, I, I really collected them all. But, um... Simultaneously to me being sick, it felt like the rest of the world was too. I mean, like I yeah. got my whole family sick, Tom. Put my mom in the hospital with this. Yeah. Well, I mean, for you know, the record, didn't. the RSV did, did not know that I had RSV, yeah. just had like a little scratch in my throat. Also took it to the Gotham West Studios. Yeah. Because why not? But everyone survived. Uh, everyone. Yeah. As far as Well, I your know. wife did get sick. I don't yeah. know if it was for me or not, but she I did. Mean, I did get yeah. her sick.
1: She got like a little sick, but like you know, common cold esque kind of thing. So it was, it was, I mean, you got like whatever you had, you were patient zero or met patient. I really zero was. Or something.
0: Yeah. I re- and I took my whole family out. I'm talking nieces, nephews, sisters, <laughs> brother-in-law, fiance, mom, stepfather. I took them all out. Yeah. I, I really, I went big and again, didn't know I had it. I just had a little tiny tickle in my throat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, what, but, but that all brings us to now, which is like, which, which is what made this difficult because this is like our favorite time of year. Cause there's lots of holiday movies to talk about, which are our favorites. Love doing that during December. Um, which brings us to, uh, you want to say, you want to say the words to kick off the episode?
0: Uh, yippee ki motherfucker. We are doing the Christmas classic fight me on it. Bruce Willis die hard.
1: We see fight me on. Did he, does he, he not? Said it is this?
0: not. Yes. He said, this oh. is not a Christmas movie. Well, he's
1: not of right he, mind right now. So I don't know uh, when he said this. Long <laughs> time he, ago, unfortunately.
0: Okay. Yeah. But yeah, um I've always thought of it as a Christmas movie. And yeah. I mean, we probably should just talk about this right from the get go. Yeah. Do you think it's a Christmas movie?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It, t- it takes place like here's the thing. Okay. If it wasn't a Christmas movie, right? Uh it could have taken could it have taken place any other time of the year? Right. And the, and the sure. movie would have been. Yeah. Sure. So, wh- so why did they make it Christmas Eve? It's because it's a that's the whole. And there's an undertone to the whole thing with family and get to get like all this other stuff that yeah, he's getting makes his wife back. Yeah.
0: Christmas time. Yeah. Seeing so his there, kids
1: at Christmas time. Right. So there there's a theme. There's an underlining theme of Christmas and family and all that stuff that goes with it. So I am a diehard. I believe Christmas is a diehard fan.
0: Okay, I like that, and as am I. Also, I do just want to point out, like this could have happened another night of the year, but it would have. Like, think of all of the um, plot surrounding it. So, just to kick off, Die Hard, nineteen eighty eight, starring Bruce Willis, yeah, Alan Rickman's first film debut as Hans Gruber. Was it really? Yeah, it was his film debut. So. If they had not done this on Christmas Eve, number one, why is everybody in the office after hours? Why is the entire company there after hours? What's the way to do that? Right. A Christmas movie, right? Yeah. And like, why would he suddenly decide that he's going to leave his hard life as John McLean, the NYPD detective, to yeah. come to L.A. to see his wife? You add Christmas in there. You know, he's carrying yeah. the teddy bear. All of these things. I don't think the plot would have been as good if it wasn't Christmas Eve, but they yeah. didn't release it at Christmas time. So I wonder if that is like maybe it that's was released what in July. Yeah, I mean, maybe
1: that that can throw it off a little bit. And that's also weird to have a movie baked around Christmas. That yeah. uh, you know, and 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 there's the the I don't want to say symbolism of it, but like at the end of the movie, spoiler alert. Um, at the end of the movie, when oh, like paper and everything is raining down, it looks like snow, like it's snowing in L.A.
0: Yeah. Kind
1: of goes to like the visual of it all. But um, uh, well, but before we get into that, do you know all the people that almost played John McClane? Because I think oh, that's. Oh, I sure do. Yeah. Like who, I do. Who, there's a big list, by the way.
0: There's a massive list, but also something that I almost gave away to Tom before we hit record yeah. is. This is all based on a book. So, R- Roderick Thorpe's 1979 crime novel, Nothing Lasts Forever, is a sequel to The Detective, which he had um, made into a movie, played John McClane, was played by, this John McClane version, was played by dun, 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 Frank Sinatra.
1: Frank Sinatra. So, Frank
0: Sinatra had... Uh, first rights to play John McClane. They had to offer it to him. He was <laughs> Yippee seventy. Yippee ki
1: yay, motherfucker.
0: He was seventy. Um, but it it's inspired by uh the Towering Inferno. Yeah, which um that makes sense. Yeah, he was watching the movie when he was thinking about writing this film, and that's he had a dream about a guy being chased through a skyscraper by a group of men with guns. Yeah. So da da da. That's how it became. But I could you imagine Frank Sinatra at 70 playing John McClain? It would have been a very slow chase. He would have had a glass of Jack Daniels just clinking down the hallway with a cigar (laughs) hanging out of his mouth. Like
1: (laughs) Who are these guys?
0: And never never brings the gun above hip height. You know what I mean? Like he just could never (laughs) lift it. So I don't know if that would have worked, but also Clint Clint Eastwood owned the movie rights to the book. Oh, I didn't know that. So he was playing around with, well, to nothing last forever, the book. So he's playing around to star in it in the early eighties and then decide to sell the movie rights. And that's how it became. Yeah. But you want to go down the list of people? Cause it's impressive, oh,
1: man. It is. Um, uh, and it's funny because some of them like at the time I can maybe see like if, if, if um, if what's his name didn't exist, I can see them, you know, yeah, I, I can, I can see Bruce Willis being replaced by a few of these people, but others I can't. So you have, um, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of the big ones, I believe. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is just, he's just too beefy at that point. Um, yeah. You have if Al
0: also, his accent—he would have sounded like he was part of the German side. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked yeah, exactly. out.
1: <laughs> uh, ho ho ho! Now I have a machine gun,
0: and then um,
1: Hans Gruber's like, "No, not yeah. I <laughs> no, I have the machine gun. No, I have the machine gun." Al Pacino was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, who? I mean, the the good news for them, he wouldn't—he would have been able to fit into the vent for that scene, you know. Facts. Yeah. Very, very true. He's a very short man. Uh, James Kahn. Paul Newman, which again, even Paul Newman was also old at that point too. That, there's a lot of older guys in here. I, they, they need some young blood. Um, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, young blood. Look, you know. Anyway, new blood. Um, Paul Newman, uh, Richard Dean Anderson, um, mm-hmm. who you might remember from MacGyver. Stargate. Oh, he was.
0: I, I, he was MacGyver.
1: Yeah, yeah you know. What I I I don't know why I always forget he was MacGyver. Um, but yeah, MacGyver could have been, but that would have been too on the nose. Like MacGyver running around a skyscraper, that might have been an actual in an of air
0: vent. Been there, done that. Yeah. You <laughs> know this we already know.
1: This I'm too. gonna I'm gonna take this, this this TV screen and use it as a uh and uh, strap it to the chair and and make it. You know, I don't know. Um, Don Johnson, who you know was too too cool. My father,
0: yeah, my father, Amanda Johnson's father, Don Johnson. <laughs> um, I, I just caught that. Uh, Mill Gibson,
1: um, Nick Nolte, Burt Reynolds, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. I could have seen it. I could have seen
0: Harrison Ford. Yeah.
1: He's played enough, like everyday guy, not, not a superhero hero in a bunch yeah. of things that I can, I can kind of see that. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this already. Clint Eastwood. I think you, you may mm-hmm. might have said that. Yeah. Cause he owned the rights. Richard Gere, even young Richard Gere, Cause this is like a, like what? Four years before pretty woman.
0: Yeah, this is 88. So, you know, he probably could have done it, but it would have been a, def- a different energy. Like some of these guys yeah. could have done it, would have been a very different movie. It wouldn't yeah. have been gritty. He like it, Bruce Willis yeah. was so gritty.
1: It always reminds me of, um, have you seen ever seen the test footage from Back to the Future? No. Eric Stolz uh was was Marty and they filmed like almost half the movie. Oh duh, Marty. And then we're yeah. like, oh yeah, whoops, and then and the movie had a whole different energy because he was it, it looked like he was more like Marty is Marty and Michael J. Fox plays him in a certain way where it's like whimsical and like he has to get out of the situation, but like it's not scary. It's a it's yeah, like it's a lovable. roller coaster ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eric Stoltz is like I'm I'm living inside of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you know, and from that test footage, so I, I think to that point, like there's a lot of these these actors that could have played, like Richard Gere playing John McClane would have been a very different movie. And also, yeah. I, I but Richard Gere never played any action movies. Now that I think of it, right, like, um, I don't
0: know. I think he played more psychological thrillers, like yeah. the bad guy in psychological theaters thrillers. But they also have on here like. Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson. Who yeah. I'm a divorced dad kid, so I love action movies because every weekend yeah. with, at my father's house was spent watching these movies, and I love Death Wish. Charles Bronson movies, sign me up. But yeah. missing from this list are other like action movie actors that like maybe could have done it, like Jean Claude Van Damme. I could have seen him doing this. Yeah, it wouldn't have had the humor that bruce willis brought to it like there's you know like little humor but they also i think because bruce willis was not well known like Mm -hmm. at all he was and he was a comedic actor before this he'd never done action yeah i think added to it yes like also this made bruce willis like the action guy
1: yeah because he he was he was uh a he, he was playing in uh moonlighting on TV yes. yeah. and he did blind date the year prior. Um, again, all comedies basically. And then he pulled into this, which by the way, I mean, that's the other thing too, that they point out is at the time in the eighties, um, a TV star and a movie star were two very different things. And- oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And he was only able to do this because, um, Sybil Shepard, who was on Moonlighting with him, got pregnant. So the whole cast had 11 months off because oh. they couldn't continue the show with her being pregnant. And then he was able to say yes to this. But one of my favorite, like, almost casting is, did you know that Sam Neill almost played Hans Gruber? No, I didn't
1: know he that. He would have
0: been really good. I mean, like, I can't yeah. imagine it as anyone other than Alan Rickman, Severus Snape. Alan Rickman. Severus Sna- Page 394.
1: Well, you know, what's funny is, um, it's funny you say that because, um, so one of the things I love about, um, this movie, I love the director of this movie. Uh, John McTiernan. John McTiernan, John McTiernan is a fantastic action movie director. Um. Who
0: didn't want to make this movie and said no three times. Did he really? Yes. He oh, wow. I did not want
1: to do it. Um. Well, the, the where I was going with that is like two years later, he directed The Hunt for Red October, um, which is part of that whole Tom Clancy thing.
0: Oh, yes. And the same teddy bear. Did you know that? No. The same exact teddy bear oh. that Bruce Willis is bringing is the one that um, Jack Ryan has in The Hunt for Red October because mm-hmm. John McTiernan uses the same bear across his movies.
1: And you and your fun facts. I, didn't I did know research
0: that. on this. Okay. Because we were guys, just so you know, we had this as one of our possible ideas to do last year. So I have year old research (laughs) (laughs) that I'm
1: utilizing. Well, what I'm realizing, too, is um, because the whole and I'm not trying to go off on a tangent on the whole Jack Ryan series. But, yeah, so the first uh, Jack Ryan movie was The Hunt for Red October, which um, playing Jack Ryan is Alec Baldwin. And yes. the reason I, I made that connection, by the way, too, is because you mentioned Sam Neill, who he didn't have in Die Hard. But two years later, when they did uh, Hunt for Red October, he hired Sam Neill for uh, that role, which is like Sean Connery's Exo in on the submarine. So apparently he liked Sam Neill. So that that's, I mean, that
0: who doesn't? Well, he really li- John McTiernan, oddly enough, because he is such an incredible action movie director, is a huge Shakespeare fan. I don't know if you know this. Loves plays it and loves Shakespeare. Yeah. That is how he found Alan Rickman, um, because he loves theater. Is Alan Rickman was in a production of I forget what what it was, yeah. but um, and McTiernan saw him and like fell in love with him and was like, oh, this is this is who I'm going to have now. Yeah. Um, but he the original script for this play and the book it takes the course over three days. But because McTiernan loves Midsummer's Night's Dream so much, he wanted it to be over the course of one night. Yeah. Much like Uh Shakespeare, because he thought it would have like, you know, more of a dramatic effect. And he also thought by adding, he cut a bunch of stuff because originally they were terrorists. They were German Mm. terrorists. They weren't just like bad guys not yeah, villains, yeah and he didn't think that terrorism was fun enough for a date night movie and he's like there's nothing fun about terrorism and i want this to be a fun action movie yeah so he changed them from terrorists to just villains i guess
1: yeah oh wow they're, they're just robbers they're just, they're just, you know, just robbers. yeah they're just they're in it for the money um well really interesting too and i didn't know this part but uh so John McTiernan, very interesting director. I I love this guy and and I'll throw this out there. So he wrote a movie um years ago or well, in, in the 80s um called Nomad which starred Pierce Bros- Brosnan, which <clears throat> funny enough because Pierce would go on to do other action movies in the future but clearly I don't know if maybe he you ever notice that like directors hang on to certain actors they work with and they'll like work with them again and again. Oh, and God, yeah. Others? I feel like
0: we've talked about it so much on this podcast, too. It's just like, yeah, you notice when a director loves to work with someone because then yeah. that person somehow, some way shows up in every production they do.
1: Right. Like uh, like Tim Burton and Johnny Depp.
0: Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like almost every movie.
1: Um. So, yeah, he had done. um. So John McTiernan had done, um, I think, a, a short film called The Watcher. Um, And I think it's that one that got picked up on. But long story short is Arnold Schwarzenegger saw the movie um, and was and he was Arnold Schwarzenegger was the driving force behind Predator. And he was the one who got McTiernan hired to do Predator because he was so impressed with what he had done with that short story, the short film rather. And so out of that, you have John McTiernan's career is he does these like, you know, Personal like little short films, um, and then Nomads, which is starring Pierce Bronston, um, which is like a horror horror movie. Then he does Predator in eighty seven, and then he follows that up immediately by doing Die Hard, um, and then after Die Hard, he does the Hunt for Red October. So he he is like on a roll. Which by the way, to be clear, that role briefly stops when he does Medicine Man with Sean Connery. So this is what I'm saying. Like he he hooked on to Sean Connery in in Hunt for Red October. And it's like, oh, man, I like this guy. And then they do Medicine Man together, which almost grinds John McTiernan's career to a halt because it's such a poorly received movie. Um, And then he comes back with, uh, and I love this, he does Last Action Hero, which is such an underrated movie. We have to do that movie at some point. Uh, Then arguably my favorite Die Hard outside the original Die Hard, which is Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I love that movie um and as a new yorker i love seeing mclean just you know just he's he's yeah he's uh did you
0: notice in that one mm -hmm. the truck that they have blow up is the same truck as from the first one but instead of it saying the pacific courier it says the atlantic courier because it's a different coast damn it i didn't know
1: Uh, was was and that was the
0: bear did the bear show up in there too oh i don't remember we haven't gotten that far can i just say to everyone uh in the in the last week, uh, we haven't been able. Obviously, guys, I haven't been able to go very many yes. places. But um, my fiance watched Die Hard for the first time and Scrooged for the first time.
1: Oh, I love Scrooge!
0: So we've started the Die Hard progression. So now we we have to keep going for him. Wait, he's never seen any Die Hard's. No, he fucking loved it. I'll tell you that, oh, but he has not yeah. seen them.
1: Uh, Die Hard two. Or, or Die Harder, depending on, you know, which copy you have, um, is interesting. It's, what, what's really interesting about the Die Hard series in general, which I don't know if a lot of people know, is that almost every one of the movies were supposed to be standalone scripts until, or at least the first, in the first trilogy, right? So Die Hard, Die Harder, and Die Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard with a Vengeance was a movie called Simon Says. And I forget about Die Harder. I forget I forget what that was. But they weren't, they were like, they sort of plugged in like, oh, let's make this part of the Die Hard yeah. franchise after the fact. And that's why they're like so wildly all over the place. And then like almost like shoehorning in, you know, Holly McLean in there for and they, a reason.
0: They can say that they didn't mean them. But like they're the list of Easter eggs when I was doing my homework for the first go round, yeah. the list of Easter eggs that they purposely put into each movie to call back to the previous movies. Yeah. It's like you knew that they were going to be they wanted a connection between them, maybe not yeah. blatantly, because maybe he just didn't want to pull from the previous movie successes and wanted them to be standalone films. But
1: yeah, well, well, John McTiernan had nothing to do with Die Hard 2, like uh-huh. nothing to do with it. And then he came back for Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is also where it has that like, you know, I, the, the thing I love about and, and this is me just going off on a tangent about Die Hard at slash John McTiernan. But it, it, it connects back to Die Hard is there's I've said it so many times on this podcast. I love world building and with Die yes. Hard with a Vengeance, especially like I don't get to talk about this enough. It's my favorite thing about it. And I know I'm jumping ahead to a different Die Hard movie, but we it's can okay. we'll connect it back. to the season. Is there's all the other like supporting like cops that he works with that McLean works with, right? His the captain, uh, the the sergeant, all the other like detectives he works with, and they're they're almost like fully flushed out characters. Like, you just enter this world and they don't spoon feed you, they're just like New Yorkers,
0: Bell Johnson, baby.
1: (laughs) But that's the thing, it's like they're just there, and it's like, oh, okay, I've just been thrown in to this. Group of people and like fly on the wall and like they have like their inside jokes, like they're comfortable. They're not overacting. Like I, I feel like John McTiernan does latch on to people that don't overact, which oh, is a Paul really Paul different...
0: in the first in the original Die Hard, yeah, and he's the the deputy police chief, yeah. Like we don't know his backstory, yeah, but we know what type of cop he is, yeah, exactly, Just by yeah. the way that he acts as that cop, and it's not like you said, it's not like ridiculous. It's not like hey, it's me, yeah. Deputy Police Chief. Just so yeah. you know, like, he's not telling you his backstory. You can just tell by the character the yeah. type of copy is. And like you said, you're not spoon-fed it. You're able to just have that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
2: <laughs> What's so special
1: about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving.
0: One thing I do love about the Die Hard movies, especially the first three, is um, McTierney really focuses on, like, his obsession with history. Yeah. So, like, what's happening in the original Die Hard is that time in the 80s, uh, it was very popular. A lot of Japanese um, companies were taking over American companies, Mm -hmm. so he wanted it to be, like, reminiscent of what was happening. and. One of my favorite fun facts that I don't know if you'll appreciate this, but um, Frank Lloyd Wright had this place called Falling Water. Yeah. And it was like a very well-known architectural, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright. Big deal. The inside of the atrium Mm -hmm. is supposed to be falling water that the Japanese bought, disassembled, put back together inside the atrium in this building. As, like, a trophy to show, like, we're taking over every aspect yeah. of your country. Yeah. And there's even that line in the, you know, like, the Nakatami Corporation. Yeah. But there's that line in the movie where he says the Japanese are very, like, I forget exactly what it is, but the Japanese are, you know, easygoing. We, you know, look what happened with Pearl Harbor and we got over it kind of thing. Like, whatever the line yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And... Then later on in the movie, the password that they have to the safe is the name of one of the like the bomber ships in World War II that tried to attack. Yeah. Like they keep all of these themes going and he does it in every single of the first. Well, the first third. And I think there's another one where they call back to history. But there's a stupid action movie. There's a lot of historical callbacks. Yeah. Well, there's.
1: I mean, the other thing too is even, even like the soundtrack to the movie, right? It's just, um, it's that what Beethoven's ninth ninth symphony, it's Ode to Joy, mm-hmm. that just is is, uh, soundtracked, soundtracked, uh, soundtracked it throughout the entire movie. Um, and it's so simple and classical, and I think it like lends to because it it's it's almost like Hans Gruber's theme a little bit, yeah. where it's it, it's played slowly. I don't want to try to do it here, but it's like, dun, dun, like they do it slowly around Hans Gruber. And then when it's joyful, because McLean is triumphing, it it, it does like the faster, you know, like actual joyous version of it.
0: And it's, also, how could people say this isn't a Christmas movie? Just that alone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, what's, what's crazy about it too is to your point, right? Like there's a lot of thought I, Comparing it, to especially to some of the later movies, which I was already crapping on, if you can't tell, like the later Die Hard films like Die Hard, uh, Live Free or Die Hard or A Good Day to Die Hard, where it just goes over the top and it's zany, generic action flick. And, I still love that, though. Just no, that. I. Ugh, all right. Well, this, we diverge. But <laughs> I mean, there's things like, you know, to your point, like Alan Rickman very much putting the dynamics and thought into who his character is of, of Hans Gruber. Um, and I'm stealing this directly from Wikipedia, but like there was a point where he's like supposed to like throw Holly uh, McLean to the floor. And he's like, I don't think that that Gruber would do that because he's a little bit more of a civilized yeah. like, villain, not just like a, you know, like aggressive brute force villain, which the other guy is the, the yeah. big blonde dude who.
0: Well, he also had Alan Rickman is the reason that Hans Gruber's wearing a suit and not dressed like the other guys because it was Alan Rickman's idea to have that moment where he and John McClane are there and if he wasn't wearing a suit, mm-hmm. John McClane wouldn't think that he's just another person from the party oh. if he was dressed like everyone else. Yeah. So, he created that whole thing which is hilarious because um McTiernan said how bad Rickman's American accent was. <laughs> so, but- he He's that's like. Good. Yeah, we had to keep reshooting that scene because he was not believable. And he's like, even the way his mouth moves, it's like so yeah. unnatural. And I was like, eh. <laughs> I kind of like it.
1: But I love it, by the way. I love, yeah. Anyway. I uh I I, I mean I do love how unnatural he is in doing that. But I know, me too I digress. But uh But that's the thing too. Like all like I was saying about like the way Characters in 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 John McTiernan movies are is like think about all the other bad guys on the team like uh Theo the the tech guy and like you know he's
0: the worst character to me I just want you to know like what a heartless sick motherfucker yeah <laughs> like just just so excited and happy to be committing murder he's just like yeah. so loves it like we're gonna kill everyone this sounds incredible let's yeah. do it
1: he's in it for the money
0: which I know, also to I, me I never, he's the worst.
1: Yeah, I never understood it, though, now that I'm thinking about it, but uh, he is, is he the only American
0: bad guy on that team? Uh, no. Isn't the one other a security guard that they put at the front American be- or has a really good American accent? Because yeah. he like talks
1: he's like they're coming in. Um, uh, he's not he's not American because he there's there's a something he says about like American football. Like he's like trying oh, to like you're right, you're right, you're right. He's trying to pretend that you know, he's watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, he mentions like he like, and it's, and it's little things like that where he's like talking, like he, for instance, he's talking about, uh, football and he says like they're in like the third inning, like he, like it's something like that where it's like, oh, this guy is pretending to know about (laughs) like American culture, but like just slightly getting it wrong. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, I I love that stuff, but like, it's just like all those Little side characters, the villains of the little SWAT team, everyone who has like a speaking role in this movie, no matter how small they are fully fleshed out characters like you're not spoon fed. Oh, this is the bad guy like they're just absolute.
0: They just exist. They're little NPCs yeah. in this world. Um, <laughs> well, how about the Jeffrey Dahmer looking motherfucker? Why is Jeffrey oh. Dahmer following us, Tom? He cooked <laughs> our dinner last week. Isn't that Carl's uh brother? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, why he looks like he's spitting image copy-paste Jeffrey Dahmer. Did they not see that going with that hair and those glasses?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. Not just
0: like, oh, another German guy. He legitimately looks like Jeffrey Dahmer.
1: It's it's 80s style, right? We are we are we are, yes. you know, directly sitting on 1988. So you know, I mean Holly Holly Mat Holly Gennaro's head, um or hair. What am I saying her head? Uh Holly Gennaro's hair is boof, like just like that's that's the sound her hair makes.
0: I love like, Bonnie Bedelia, by the way. She plays the mom in parenthood and she's just oh, I love her. That's the same woman? Yeah. And did you know that Bruce Willis suggested her for that role? Really? Yeah. How did he know her? Um, I don't know, maybe they fucked. I have no idea. <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't realize he was also uh dating Demi Moore at the time. And uh which something I didn't realize too is like this is this was hard for him to film because he's basically alone the whole movie. Like he's in scenes by himself the oh, entire yeah. like almost the entire movie.
0: And that's why there's so many improvised lines. Yeah. Um he kind of just let him go with it. But like even the scene where he's in the in the air duct. Yeah, and he does his little come to the coast. Yeah. We'll a couple, laughs. We'll a couple laughs. Uh, you know he was doing stuff like that, just like throwaway lines. And the Yippie kaye motherfucker was a throwaway line that he just did. Yeah, and they kept it in that movie, and then every other damn movie it makes yeah. it an appearance. But
1: it'll <sighs> beat that dead horse into the ground.
0: Have uh, you, you know what- seen the the fake feet? Or the fake feet. Oh, so, yes. Yes. Yeah, because he's supposed to have, you know, be barefoot, barefoot through this whole yeah. movie. And the scene with the glass where he's got to, like, run across the glass in the office. They gave him fake rubber feet. And if you pay attention to it, they're enormous. Yeah. They're huge. <laughs> they're so big.
1: Yeah. Big rubber feet. I yeah. love that, too, is, like, something as simple as how do you put a character in the situation, right? Like, the whole thing is... He's barefoot because he was on a plane and he doesn't fly. And the guy sitting next to him is like, "When you get where you got to go, just take your shoes off, take your socks off, and just like yep. scrunch your you know toes into balls on the carpet, and you'll feel better." Um, which I've tried too, by the way. I've been like, "Is, is this
0: an actual thing?" It's I mean, it's I do it thing. on the plane though. I've always done it on the plane.
1: With like your toes out On the plane.
0: Out? Yeah, I take my feet like not all the way out of the sneakers, because we yeah. all know how I feel about bare feet on planes, people. Oh yeah, but we've
1: had yeah, we've had this <laughs> discussion off the air. But I and it's no, funny. We had
0: it on the air when I talked about Iceland and that those uh-huh. creepy curl toes yes. that came yeah, towards yeah. me. But no, I've done it on the plane because I'm always afraid of like, you know, the people that get up to go to the bathroom and their legs are completely asleep because they're not like yeah. moving around and they fall over. We all know that would be me. Yeah.
1: Well, the the reason I was mentioning it by the way is because I just went on like a I had a sprint of like three flights yeah. not three flights, three different round trip flights over the course of like a couple of weeks. So I've been on what uh six planes in the past yeah. like 3 weeks. Um and out of that, like yes, I take my feet to be clear, right? I think this is protocol is I'm sitting with my feet under the seat in front of me. And I yes. pop, I, I wear, I wear like, un, you know, unlaced sketchers, you know, slip in, slip on shoes because I'm getting old now. And that's, that's just protocol. <laughs> uh, and I take them out. I keep, they're still, they're wearing socks, fresh yes. socks. Yes. And I, do I the will same rest thing here. my feet outside on my uh, shoes, on my shoes. On yes. my shoes yes. I do the same thing. If I'm going to move anywhere else, if I have to stand up, if I have to, you know, walk anywhere, I'm putting the shoes back on. In fact, uh, when it was like time to land, I even like, it's even like, you know, part of the landing and takeoff procedure is it's gotta be like, you know, tray tables up, seat upright position, bag under your seat and shoes on. Right. Like that's, that's part of the protocol that I've made up in my head because, and and to the point that last time I flew, I was like putting on my shoes, like 45 minutes to landing and the guy next to me is like, Oh, do you have to get up? It's like, no,
0: just put my shoes on. Just, you know. Also, I have to do the check, like as I'm laying, I'm like both earbuds together. Yeah. My (laughs) phone charger. Everything's together. Um, I do want to mention, though, and this is kind of off topic, but like just on the topic because you exist. Since we have recorded, we have um, passed Tom's birthday. So happy birthday to Tom. Thank you. We went out for a super soft birthday party. Yeah. uh, Where Jeffrey Dahmer cooked our dinner and it was exceptional.
1: Yeah, you you briefly mentioned it before, but uh, yeah. I I was a little high and you think because I I mean I, I <laughs> always but I was a little high and I'm just staring in my seat at this restaurant incredible like really amazing steakhouse uh British British steakhouse in New York um I'm staring into the kitchen where it's like an open window into the kitchen and I'm I'm staring and I'm like. That looks like, and it wasn't even Dahmer that I connected it to. I was like, he looked like the guy who played like Evan Peters, like
0: just like yeah. Evan Peters playing Jeffrey Dahmer.
1: And I'm like, and I think I nudged uh, Kyle, who you heard on this podcast and, and works at Gotham West. I nudged him and I go, I, Is that the guy who played Quicksilver? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Look, it's the guy for, and I was like, and I said, I was, I, I asked him because he's all knowing when it comes to this stuff. And I go, Who's the guy that played Quicksilver? And he goes, Evan Peters. And I'm like, did you know Evan Peters was on the bear, was originally cast to be on the bear? And he was like, no. And I was like, yeah, there he is right there. I pointed at the kitchen. And and the thing was, he was dressed like Carmi from the bear. White right? t-shirt,
0: blue apron. Which,
1: to be clear. It it's was like, incredible.
0: Because oh, the thing
1: is, it's like, it's one thing to like, oh, he was dressed like a chef in a kitchen. Like, no, no, no. It was the no.
0: exact. Yeah.
1: Like costume.
0: It was Carmi cosplay.
1: Yes. and But it was Evan Peters. And he even had the glasses uh, from Dahmer. Did he? Was, Wait, now, now I'm second guessing it. Did he? And,
0: no, he did have the glasses. And we okay. had one of the most incredible servers I've ever had. Yeah. At, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, like, no joke. And I'm obsessed with hospitality. He was fantastic. And when we told him that, he's like, oh my God, yes. We tell him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like did not miss a beat. I like, did not care that we were like, for, I yeah. was standing up pretending to take a picture of the table, but I was really yes. trying to take the picture behind me to get the picture of him. I couldn't do it. Yeah. We eventually did get the photo. Yeah. Um, and this is no shade to this gentleman. Very handsome yeah. boy. He just happens to look like Evan Peters. Yeah, cosplaying as Jeffrey was, Dahmer, cosplaying as Carmy.
1: And I think he was on the fry station that night. But yeah, he, was, he did an awesome Kitchen job. He killed
0: and, it. Whatever he did was amazing. So and, and side note to all this
1: too, which is really funny because you you mentioned uh, it was my you set this up as my super soft birthday. <laughs> and
0: wait, we, I could not go as big or as soft as I wanted because I had unicorn balloons. Yeah, I had a a pink. Um, sash for you to wear that said birthday girl. I didn't notice any of this. It's a very nice place so we did not utilize them.
1: But here's the thing. No, no, no. But there's a a value to what you did because we got there and there was some confusion with our reservation and they're like, oh, you guys have to be out by... It was like 8.30, which was like an hour and a half. And there was like... We had a full table of people and... Seven people. Yeah. We're like ready to get the night started and it's like, oh, you can only be here for an hour and a half, which I know sounds... Depending on how you eat dinner or something like that or go out with people might sound long or short. I don't know but for us it was short because it was like no 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 we're like this is this is a very hoity toity like steakhouse and we're yeah. going to go ham. Um and and so my wife made the reservation and then on top of that uh, the the lovely waiter who came over was like, oh, I have to let you know of some things we don't have. And it was anything that had bone marrow. Oh my God, which is, my, which is his the favorite. The whole reason I wanted to go to this place. that I love.
0: It's place. literally the reason that his wife, Dale, who we've also heard in this podcast. First of all, we planned this as a surprise. Yeah. For the day I got sick. <laughs> yeah. So thank God I did not just show up and be like, I'm fine, because yeah. I would have killed everybody at Gotham West. But yeah. So then we had to prolong it, which meant that Tom was in on the surprise. Yeah. But we literally chose this place so that Tom could have bone marrow. (laughs) Yes. Everything.
1: It's delicious. This place is great.
0: And then, but what's happened was then
1: they were like mean to my wife. And and this is going to sound, and anyone who might know me knows that this is real, but this is like when someone's like, and I, I, I didn't yell. I did. I was just like, Hey, this is not right. Like, you know, like if someone talks to like customer service, like, yeah, bullshit, you got, you were irate or everything. I, nope. I was just like, Hey, I like, I didn't sit well with me that they were like kind of rude to my wife, or at least I felt like they were. Cause they were like, Oh, you were told over the phone, Who she was like, is, no, I wasn't. by the way,
0: the kindest person yeah. on the goddamn planet. <laughs> Like so, if you could be mean to her, you should, yeah. you're basically kicking the cutest puppy in America. But yes. Yeah.
1: So then I, I like, I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go solve this because that's, that's what I do. And so I, I went up and I was just like, Hey, like, I just gotta be honest, like not asking for anything, not looking for like, just like rub me the wrong way. We come here all the time. Like this, this wasn't kind of felt uncool, you know? And I just, I needed to get it off my chest that like, you know, I just felt like that was not a great experience. And it was kind of shocking because this place is not like that. Um, and, and then they sort of like doubled down a little bit with me. They're like, well, your wife was told. And I was like, uh, no, she wasn't. And I was like, okay, that, that, but agree to disagree. What do you to do? Whatever you want to do. Um, and then I sat back down and then you had the whole bag of the super soft birthday gear. <laughs> yeah. And so I put on my, you're going to call it happy birthday tiara, yes. with like big happy birthday sign on my head. Yeah. And I think the fact that I wasn't like. don't you know who I am how dare you be rude to my family and then I was like yeah that wasn't cool and then sat down and put on a happy birthday tiara
0: and our server was like um no fucking way you sit here as long as you want I do (laughs) not care
1: and so what proceeded was the person who doubled down then came back to me while I'm wearing my tiara was incredible and (laughs) and is like hey just want to let you know we took care we moved some stuff around so you guys can stay as long as you want and then sitting
0: next to a unicorn pinata on the table full of drugs.
1: Well, edibles, <laughs> not hard drugs, yes. just yeah, yeah. edibles. <laughs> and and so I was like, OK, and I think I had just taken one, too. So I was like, oh, yeah. uh, uh, what? Like, oh, this like, you know, a, a guppy fish just came to my shoulder. Like, what? what is happening? And then after that, then the manager just sent over whatever we ordered. We got double of. So we was ordered hilarious. Like, and it was confusing because we were like we ordered oysters, which I love oysters. Yes, I mean I don't. Let me, let me backtrack. I don't know anyone that loves oysters. I like oysters; they're good, and I like to have them when I can. But no one else around my in my life, with the exception of your fiance and Kyle, well,
0: my fiance's brother.
1: Yes, and do you do oysters? Are you down with oysters? No, nope. no, okay, no
0: nope. oysters and Crohn's disease. They're not besties.
1: Yeah. And so, like, I was like, oh, finally, people I can eat oysters with. And then we were like, oh, let's just get, like, the, what was it, like, dozen or whatever. So, it's like, all right, we get like, two or three each, right? And then I was like, wait, why? There's more orders of oysters just landing Four on the table.
0: orders yeah. of oysters.
1: <laughs> I, I ate more Four. oysters than I had in years. And I feel like oysters in general are always, like, a Russian roulette game. Like, at some point, like, you ever eat shishito peppers and it's like, oh, like, Shishito pepper. Yeah, that's right. Crohn's. So shishito peppers are just like these, like, you know, they'll, they're like little peppers. They look like dehydrated or wet. Oh yeah, I've had blistered
0: shishito peppers where sometimes they're sweet, but then one of them is a scalding death fire.
1: Right. It's Russian roulette. And so I feel like with oysters at some point you eat enough oysters, you're going to get a bad oyster and you're going to get sick. Oh God. And I mean, knock on wood, no one, no one actually got sick. But when you're playing the long game of like, Hey, four orders of like what is that two uh, four dozen oysters yeah um, that's a lot of that's a lot of oysters there's only three people eating
0: <laughs> so I anyway, kept going they kept but coming. it was it was a it was a wonderful yeah uh, celebration of Thomas's birth yeah and um, it was not a surprise no and uh, I was okay with that
1: I was I was good with that okay uh, and and uh, anyway it, yeah it was it was a good time so
0: listen um we're not going to name the name of the steakhouse. No. <laughs> they we'll ever want to sponsor us, though.
1: <laughs> I mean, we'll be back there. We'll gladly be there. Yeah. yeah. And I, I rave about them normally. But like now, which is funny because. Like, obviously, they made up for it. But it's at the same so time- funny you
0: say this before you even say it in my head. When this was happening, I was like, damn it. Now we're not coming back here for a little bit. Yeah, no, They're I'll go assholes.
1: back. But you know what it is? It's it's. Even if, even if you have like a bad, if you have like a bad experience and they make up for it, it's still, it, it's knocked down a couple pegs. And I, and I am a true believer in, you know, taking a negative situation and, and flipping it on its head and making it like something better. Yeah. But I was like, oh, you know what it might've been? It was the lack of, it was lack of bone marrow. If there was, if there was still bone marrow, I, everything would have
0: been. I great. understand. So. Our poor server too. Cause as soon as he said, I just want to tell you that we're out of a couple things. <laughs> My face, and then he says, "So we don't have bone marrow." The entire—it's like a movie. It yeah. felt like a scene in waiting. The entire table was like, "No, and Tom." Was well, like, it's funny because no.
1: he's he, he's listing off each individual thing they don't have, and it's like we don't have the bone marrow topping. We have this, but we don't have the bone marrow. And I'm like, "Do you just not have bone?" He's like, "Yes, it's the bone marrow we're out of." I'm like, "You could have just said that." Number one, and number two, my heart's broken now. Like this is—that's terrible.
0: Oh gosh. So, well, anyway, we're, we're okay. We made it, but um, okay. I did just want to celebrate your birthday because, you know, we like to shout each other's birthdays out on this. And since I decided the Black Plague was a good time and a good way to celebrate your birthday, <laughs> I kind of missed that. Um, But uh, back back to our boyfriend, yes. Bruce Willis. Yes. Uh, Did you? Okay. One of the, like, favorite scenes of the movie for everybody, I think, is Hans Gruber falling the stories out of Nakatomi Tower, right? I mean, Which I don't was, know if i call it
1: favorite, but it's...
0: Well, it's like, you know, the most famous. I mean, they even have the famous, advent okay, calendars. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. the advent calendar? Yes. Yeah. Where it's a Hans Gruber slowly going down until the days of Christmas. Yes. Uh, so Alan Rickman had to fall 20 feet into like those giant airbags for the yeah. scene. And behind, that was actually a painting with like lights that flickered and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the people... So a stuntman was holding him. Yeah. And the stunt man had the camera. And so they dropped together. And in order to get him scared, your favorite director there was like, drop him on two. Yeah. Don't tell him, but <laughs> drop him on two. And so the stuntman pushed him off on the count of two, not three. <laughs> so his face is like sheer terror. And well, Alan yeah. Rickman. Yeah, Alan Rickman was like, I that we could never have shot that again. I've never been so terrified.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Man, let me just tell you, I did. I, I think I've told my meeting Alan Rickman story on this podcast, right? I think I have. Severus Snape. Yeah, I mean, he is. He was just like the like the. I think number one, everyone, everyone that you know, uh, I think everyone just knows him from. He like not everyone. Everyone, I think the most fans that walk up to him are coming up to him because of Harry Potter and i was not there for harry potter i was there because um
0: hold your tongue because my first obsession with him happened with love actually my favorite christmas okay
1: movie. yeah which we should do probably
0: <gasps> yes i'll cry
1: yeah. but um but with that that's where the whole thing was like he came up and he came up to like i was i was at um i was at my old radio job and he was in the building i was like hey i'd really like to Meet him and I wasn't doing an interview with him. He was just there for other interviews. And uh, this guy named Spencer, who I love, who has always been fantastic to me, um, he was like, Let me see what I can do. He's, you know, basically explained to me like uh, he's kind of shy. He's a shy guy. He's not, you know, That makes me love him so much more. And he's like, Just hang around here. Let me see. Let me see what happens. It may or may not happen. Just, you know, he's like, Didn't, he didn't want to get my hopes up. And So he goes and gets him. He finished whatever interview he was in. And then he walks past with Alan Rickman past me. And he just shakes his head like, no, it's not going to happen. Sorry. And I was like, oh, that that sucks, whatever. And I just like hung around there to not look like I was just hanging around for that one thing. (laughs) And on top of that, like just making small talk with like the person at the front desk or whatever. And then there was this lull. Like he was about to leave, but like he was waiting for something or like wasn't ready. And there was this lull. And then – um. Spencer just like nods at me like, Oh, this is it. This is the moment. And then he waves I'm ner- me over. I feel
0: nervous for you right now.
1: And he goes, Alan, I just want to introduce you to Tommy. He's one of our hosts here. And I walk over to him and I shake his hand and he's, he has this look of like, I don't know how to describe it. I have a photo with him too. I'm like, where it's, he, he is very shy and very like, you know, like modest, like he's not, there's no confidence in his face. He is very much like, you know, uh, almost, almost like the voice of the character of his from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Where yeah. He's the depressed. Like that is the man I met. Um, and, and I shook his hand and the first thing I was like, wow, I'm really like big fan of all your work, you know, like, and, and, uh, and he was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And then, um, and Spencer was like, hey, do you mind if I get a picture of you two guys together? And, and then we got what a that good picture. guy, Spencer is. Sp- oh, Spencer's a great guy. Like I, I had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago too, just catching up with him. And I'm like, I told him some great stories. And actually, I, I mentioned this story. Um, he left that job, and I mentioned this story about like one of like the standout moments for me. And he said he got really emotional hearing it, <laughs> but I, which I felt bad. I, it wasn't my intention, but like the whole thing is, was like, like there, there's those moments and. I, I am not a kind of person. I'm not starstruck necessarily. Like I'm not that kind of person. I'm not like, I don't like, you know, idolize celebrities, um, or actors or actresses. I'm just like, Hey, wow, I appreciate this person's work. You know, like I love like their body of work or their, and when I'm walking up to him, I'm not like, "Oh, it's Severus Snape. Oh, I love that movie." You Hence just you. fucking said
0: Severus. Oh, yeah. well, whatever. Snape. I don't know.
1: I, I've never seen the movie. What is that his character's name? I don't Tucker,
0: know. bite him. <laughs> but, Tucker, by the way, guys, is Tom's dog, not like a human. Yeah, in the It's not my dog,
1: technically, but you know, that's another. Um, he lives in your house. He lives in my house. He's a roommate. Um, and but anyway, long story short, as I met him, and he was very subdued and calm. and I would, I would imagine too cuz I haven't seen a lot of, you know, like that, that I think about. Like there aren't a lot of like people getting photos with him or like meeting him and things. Like I feel very honored to have had that like small brief moment with him. Um cuz I think I think that's just who he is. He wasn't like
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I, yeah. Again, I am the nerd. Yeah. But the stories everyone from the cast of the Harry Potter movies had for him were just beautiful what he did for those kids and like yeah. help them because all these kids they, they've they never really were big actors before yeah. this and they were young yeah. and like there's a scene where uh, Rupert Grint who plays Ron Weasley was drawing like they're supposed to be studying like they're all in a big hole and Rupert Grint is drawing cartoons of everyone and he was drawing one of of Alan Rickman with like a giant nose and yeah. Alan Rickman's supposed to be Severus who's like the mean teacher. Yeah, And he smacks them on the back of their heads and tells them to like go back to work. Yeah. And when he does that, like in the movie, you can see both Rupert Grint and uh, Daniel Radcliffe are like laughing because he was laughing when he did yeah. it. And he kept the pictures, the all the cartoons that Rupert Grint drew of him, like making fun of Alan Rickman. Yeah. And it's like, so they were like his favorite things in the world. And, and they said- He is probably the biggest reason that the kids learned so much was because he was such a good tutor to them as like acting, but also let them be kids because they were fucking kids, you know. Like they might be characters, but they're still kids and didn't get pissed in the scenes when they would like have giggle fits and all that kind of stuff. He just like did it with them, which I love that.
1: Yeah, he he was a sweet sweet man, and that's the thing too. Is like you mentioned that he came from like theater theater. Um, and I don't think he ever theater. lost those roots. Like I think that yeah, he hung on to those for. I agree. For his career. Um,
0: uh, that's just a Alan Rickman love fest.
1: I know. Well, what did you think? I don't want to jump ahead. You've seen Die Hard with Vengeance, right?
0: Yes, I have, and yeah. not as many times as I've seen Die Hard though. Like I've okay. seen Die Hard Fair. so many times, yeah. That like, I didn't need to rewatch this movie, the movie, to do this episode. Yeah. That one I would have to rewatch to do an episode on because I don't remember a lot of it. Also, I will yeah. say that what happens over the years, they kind of muddy together.
1: Yeah. Well, I, my, my bigger question, the reason I ask is because they it's the one movie they connect the bad guy who's Simon. Uh, they connect Jeremy Irons' character back to, um, to Hans saying that they were brothers.
0: Um, oh, that's and I wasn't right. sure if you
1: actually were like, oh, I like that, or
0: no, I do like yeah. that. You know me; I like continuity in movies. I like when things like come together and and that yeah. kind of stuff. But uh, <clears throat> back to your point, I would say Die Hard with a Vengeance and Die Hard are my two favorite Die Hards. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, the the thing that bothers me, and I'll, I'll throw this out there too, just to say it, because I don't know if we're gonna, ever going to actually do a Die Hard with a Vengeance episode, but I will say. The thing that bugs me the most is that I feel like Die Hard with a Vengeance is a great movie up until it needs to wrap up, and then the ending is just trash all over the place. Yeah, there's got
0: to be a reason for that. Maybe we can look into that before we. Well, they we had do a, another.
1: There was an alternate ending. Like oh. there was an alternate ending. Like in in the alternate ending, for those that for those that don't remember, including you, um, me. They, you know, uh, Simon and every all the bad guys get away, right? They yes. steal the money. They get away. And it's like, ah, how do we, we missed them? And then the, you know, him and uh, him and uh, Zeus um, get blown up on that giant boat. And then they're rescued, whatever. And like they're, yeah. you know, licking their wounds. And then uh, Zeus is like, well, did you ever call Holly? Whatever. And he's like, no, I hung up on her. I left her on the call or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, well, you should call her. And so he gets he goes to a payphone and starts calling Holly and then notices that in the scene before when Simon is about to blow up the boat, uh, McLean's like, hey, do you have any aspirin? And he tosses him the bottle and says, keep the bottle and the bottle of aspirin has uh, a truck stop back in Quebec, like written on the bottle, like it's like, you know, branded or whatever. And which leads McLean to understand, like, oh, that's where they're going. They're going to Canada. And so the next scene, which also makes no sense. I I have there's certain things that my weird, like useless knowledge brain knows about that really bothers me in movies. And I'll give you another example because something came up recently. Uh have you ever heard have you ever heard of a movie called Margin Call? No. Uh it's it's another it's like one of those movies about like the uh about like the financial crisis or whatever, ironically enough, connecting the dots to what we're talking about today, uh, star is Jeremy Irons. Um, uh-huh. also stars Demi Moore, who was dating Bruce Willis during, There we home. go. Um, but the entire movie, like they're like, Oh, we got to call in the big boss or whoever, like the owner of the firm or whatever. And then he arrives on a helicopter in Manhattan. And they're like, Oh, like they, they, you know, they're on the helipad on the roof and like they're outside as the helicopter is landing on the roof. Helicopters can't land on roofs In New York City. Um, I know this um, because back in the 60s Pan Am had a brilliant idea of saying hey what if we shuttle all the business people from the Pan Am building in New York City right above Grand Central over to the airport and uh, they tried to do that and then one of the helicopters tipped over and then shending shards of Helicopter and things mm-hmm. to the ground and killing mm-hmm. lots of people. And then the city of New York is like, all right, you know what? How about this? No helicopters on top of buildings. Let's not do that here. So they have to land on helipads on the on the water. So if you ever visit New York or you're from New York, that's the whole reason there's no helicopter helipads on buildings. They're all like on the piers on the water, and then you have to go to there.
0: I've never realized that, but don't hospitals have helipads?
1: Not in New York City.
0: No? Not I I've city. never thought about that.
1: Yeah. Outside That's New York so City, wild. yes, right, LA, yeah, yeah, yeah. LA, I mean, L.A., every other city, um, maybe not every city, but anyway. So the whole point is, right? Then back to the movie, they're they're blown up, and they're first off, like the where where the boat was it was the Long Island Sound. Somehow they're back and hanging out with the NYPD guys. So they're somewhere in New York City, and then boat blows up. McLean's like, "Ah, oh, they're in Quebec, they're in Canada," and then hops because the medevac helicopter to your point was actually yes. picking them up they hop on the medevac helicopter and then fly to a quebec in a helicopter <laughs> that would be so cold <laughs> it's a long trip the yeah. helicopter's not gonna make like they don't there's a reason why we don't like oh hey how did you get from new york to quebec oh helicopter no that's not a thing so anyway we um, can suspend belief for that. To an extent. I mean, unless I the Canadian border suddenly shrunk and is in Sullivan County, there's no way they're taking a helicopter from New York City to, to the Canadian border. Anyway, there's that. Um And on top of that, too, they like, I don't know, just like told the medevac pilot to just, hey, instead of going to the hospital, I know you have other things to do, but can you just fly us there? We're going to go kill a bad guy. Um Now, there was an alternate ending to this movie. That's the second ending. That was their makeup ending. Because the other ending to the movie was uh, he lets him go and then there's, I don't know, uh, what is it? Um, McLean catches up to uh, this guy in some other country and then plays Russian roulette with him with a rocket
0: launcher. Why did they love Russian roulette in the 80s and 90s? They fucking loved it. I don't know. This is, oh, and
1: this is in Hungary. So, John McLean. Of course, Flies to Hungary and uh, wait, actually, I'm gonna read this off of uh, Wikipedia. He is fired from the NYPD after more than 20 years on the force, and the FBI has even taken away his pension. Oh, because they that. used him as the scapegoat for like, they're like, oh, the robbery, He, you were in on the robbery the whole time.
0: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: it's also mentioned that McLean and his wife Holly have divorced. Uh, nevertheless, he manages to track Simon using the batch number on the bottle of aspirins. I don't know. Explain that. Um, And in this version, Simon has double-crossed most of his accomplices, uh, gotten the loot to a safe hiding spot somewhere in Hungary, and has the gold turned into statuettes of the Empire State Building in order to smuggle them in and out of the country. Um, And so McLean uh, is going to get revenge on him. So he takes a little small Chinese rocket launcher, uh, has the sights removed so you don't know which end is which, and then plays Russian roulette with him at the table. And then eventually, like, they press the button and the rocket fires, hitting Simon in the chest and killing him. Beautiful. Uh, and so, out of that, in the uh, mention in the commentary of the movie, the studio thought it was a more cruel and menacing side to McLean, who was killing for revenge rather than in self defense. So then we get the other scene where instead they fly a helicopter to. Canada. now
0: wait hold on i just realized yeah. something personal favorite characters from die hard yeah argyle the limo driver
1: yeah Who incredible the- Devereaux white
0: Devereaux white incredible
1: is that Gil white's brother by any
0: chance <laughs> oh gosh well this was the other second favorite of course we're gonna have to talk about our boy reginald VelJohnson. johnson i know
1: we didn't really talk about him much, we, we? we
0: need to talk about him because we know how much tom loves him yeah and respects him as a human um as this was artwork. done in 88 Family mm-hmm. Matters didn't start till 1990 do we yes. think that this showed them that he could be the 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 cop the <laughs> do well not twinkie eating cop
1: I think I don't know if there's a direct connection there I believe there is but again as I love to remind everyone let me just take it back for a moment the entire uh <laughs> the entire plot to Family Matters was oh my god just a working class family from the chicago suburbs uh led by carl winslow who's keeping carl it together Winslet. for with his with his uh with his wife and kids a spin-off from perfect strangers for those that don't remember and who may not remember perfect strangers with balky and cousin larry um because uh <laughs> here we go um because uh, carl winslow's wife uh, whose name I'll come up in a second because he had two wives by the way that's a whole other story uh-huh. um he uh she was the um uh elevator operator in in the in the building in which balky and, and Larry worked in so uh Harriet Winslow uh played by Joe Marie Payton until the final season of the show insane when they just swapped her out randomly. And you're not supposed to notice. It's just well, uh,
0: Reginald Vell Johnson's only in the first two Die Hard's. No, he's not in the third one. He's not in the third one. No, he's not in the third know. one. He's in the first yeah. two.
1: And even the, even in the second one, it's just like which which is okay. Like, okay,
0: a horrendous Di- story they gave him. By the way, it is, and and also like, Die
1: Hard Two what? sucks. <laughs> let me just say let me just say this: I love Die Hard and all, but Die Hard Two sucks so bad. Is it if it's on TBS and you want to he- hear want to hear Yippee Ki Yay, Mister Falcon? Sure. Fine, keep it on it's 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 a it's a it's a ride um the bad guys are bonkers weird they're they're more 80s than anything else even though it came out in like what 1990 I want to say yeah um but here okay John McClane is a cop from what city NYPD baby okay so he is a New York City police detective he is in DC to meet his wife for reasons, I actually forgot, and there might be a reason why he had to go to D.C. to meet her from her flight from L.A. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I, I, I can look into that later. But let me just throw this out there. um, the, A bad guy, he has a hunch because uh, some guy was killed at the airport in, like, the baggage claim area. And he grabs Prince off the guy, and he wants to run the Prince. Now, he is a New York City police detective. This is all very illegal, by the way. Yeah. Prince. Yeah. <laughs> Who does he call to run the prince for him? Does he call the station he works for? No. Um, or No. He calls his old friend from L.A. for no reason whatsoever. Why him? Because we needed a cameo. Because it's a Die Hard film. Remember Die Hard? Remember Die Hard? And so he calls uh, Carl Winslow. Sergeant Al Powell, folks. Sorry. Sergeant Al Powell and faxes him the prince. Uh, just so he can have a cameo in the movie. He is just over the phone in two scenes when he can... That's all I uh, need, baby. ...receive the prince, and he's eating a Twinkie, of course, because, ah, remember, the, remember Die Hard? Remember the he Twinkies? Said,
0: he said that people would throw Twinkies at his car for oh, years geez. when he was driving. <laughs> he would drive around, people would throw Twinkies oh, at him. And he's Christ. like, ah, I didn't mind it.
1: Um... But anyway, um, another character from the movie that I want to throw uh, throw out there, and it's not really a character. I'm being facetious,
0: but the building itself. Do you know
1: what the building is? It's Fox's
0: headquarters. And Fox had to pay themselves rent to film there. Even
1: better, though, this 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 uh, building showed up in another movie. One of my other favorite movies.
0: Oh, I I don't remember what it was, but I did read that this morning. But yes, please share with us. I don't know. I don't
1: know. I don't know the context of what these buildings mean mean or are but um so it is it is the fox plaza building um which is Nakatomi plaza in the movie um it is 2121 avenue of the
0: stars
1: in uh in studio city and
0: before you proceed and give us the big the big uh bomb the very sophisticated computer system that the nypd uses to call nakatomi tower is actually the real phone number at the time for fox plaza Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's my fun fact before you blow all of our minds. okay, go. Uh, Well,
1: this isn't a mind blower. not giving me too much credit. I'm
0: excited, though. So there's this other like little building
1: outside in like, you know, there's like the little like circle where people pull up in the cars or whatever. Yeah. And there's this other little building. And again, I don't know the context of this other little building on on the Fox Plaza lot there. There's the giant tower, and then there's this little one-story building. The one-story building was the radio station from Airheads.
0: <gasps> I love that movie. We all know how I love Brennan Fraser. So, and,
1: and exact and if you watch both movies, you see the other building in the shot just behind it. But they play it like the buildings are all standalone. It's kind of weird. Ooh. So,
0: yeah. I was actually just looking at this before we got down the building thing. Mm-hmm. This was not supposed to succeed. Like they didn't even put Bruce Willis on a lot of the posters because they're like, nobody's going to see this movie. We never got our big A-list actor. Oh, yeah. So they, he wasn't. We have no an A-list, A-list actor. actor in this yeah. movie. Yeah. So this isn't going to succeed. They didn't put Bruce Willis's face on all the movie posters to begin with. Their budget was 25 to $35 million. Bruce Willis was paid $5 million, which everybody gave the studio so much shit for because they're like, he's a nobody. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then it ended up grossing $141.5 million at the <laughs> box office in July. Yeah. So I hope you got points. They got points. Maybe they were starting the Christmas in July trend.
1: Maybe. Is that where it came from? I have no <laughs> it idea. was the Christmas in July.
0: I used to have to bartend... Uh, when I worked at a club where we would have a Christmas and July party and we'd have to dress up in slutty Christmas outfits in the middle of July. Oh. Try shopping for that.
1: Not but what great. about actual what about actual Christmas? Do you still get to
0: Uh yeah, we did that too. Yeah, yeah. Just got I think one year uh we were um uh who's from Whoville. I was the dog from the Grinch not sure how I landed that role, but I got to be the dog while everyone else got to be hot little who's from Whoville. And I got to be Max, the Grinch's dog.
1: I mean, I don't know if I did. You have to wear the noses because I feel like that's
0: I painted it on, but I had to wear the one little antler.
1: Well, my, my where I was kind of going with that is like, I'm like, I don't know if I'd call that. Like, I feel like. That the nose kind of makes it not. I mean, unless that's your thing. I don't know.
0: People are into weird shit, Tom. Don't yuck peeums. Yeah, I the guess ums. I have to remember
1: that. I guess I have to remember that.
0: So, anyway, where would you put Die Hard as far as favorite Christmas movies go? I, is it one you well, have to watch every year?
1: Is it one I have to watch every year?
0: Yes, it is. And I agree.
1: And it's one of those things where, like, because of what it is, I I'll, mean, I'll give you the tradition that we've kind of set up is like, it's throughout my families as I've grown families. um, It's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's because of the adult nature of it. And it's a Christmas movie. It's like one of those perfect, like, all right, the kids are asleep either Christmas Mm -hmm. Eve or Christmas day night um, to like turn around and just be like, yeah, all right, let's put die hard on now. The kids are asleep. Yeah. So
0: I was watching this when I was about four or five years old at my dad's house. Yeah. Uh and also at my mom's house my stepfather was the same way. Action movies all day. Yeah. But I stopped watching it obviously because I hadn't seen it since I've been with my fiance who we've been together for for almost 14 years now. Yeah. And I just realized like rewatching it I'm like one this is what I took away with my rewatch this year. Besides the excitement that I'm watching it and the excitement that he's loving it as much as I do. Yeah. The speed in which that tank top that Bruce Willis is wearing goes from white to completely black.
1: Oh yeah. Covered in blood. Yeah.
0: Very accelerated. Also you can see the tank top in the Smithsonian Institute. It's hanging up. Yeah. So that's our Christmas gift to you all. (laughs) But I would put this top 10, top 10, I would say Christmas movies.
1: No, absolutely. And I think it's like one of those things where it's like, it's, it's a fun thing to do. It's a fun Christmas movie because it's, I think because it's not so down the line. It's not, there's no Santa Claus. It's as, um, as I think I heard uh, Aviv from the InSync podcast here at Gotham West Studios mention, um, where every other Christmas movie is, uh, oh no, Christmas isn't going to happen. And then we do something and it's like, Christmas is saved. It's not that. It's not that movie. So it's, it's, it's a little different, but in a good way. And, um, and I'm okay with that. Um, also
0: i just want to shout out the guy who works at um mrs mclean's office that basically was the i think the genesis for uh the succession character um the brother because all this guy does is a shit ton of blow and just wants to bang everyone in the office and i was like wow this is like 1988 succession i don't remember what his name is but he's He's a hilarious character. He oh, gets killed, yeah. but yeah.
1: Yeah, the guy, huh? Booby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it Ellis?
0: Yeah, no, that's what it is, Ellis. Yeah. yeah. John,
1: <laughs> Booby. Um, I just want to throw out the, the fucking this,
0: turd. I hated him so much. I, I
1: love it so much. That beard. Um, I Ugh. just want to, as I'm looking at my Reginald Vil Johnson, uh, <laughs> stuff. So, end I want to close with this. Um, okay. This is, this is a headline quote. Uh. Reginald Vell Johnson says working with Jaleel White was, quote, a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> he just talks I about... I cannot
0: not wait to do the Family Matters <laughs> episode. We have to get someone from Family Members as a guest on. We have to. I don't think it we're cannot going be soon. Jaleel White because you and I are going to tear I him to know. pieces. <laughs> we can't, it cannot be him. It cannot. <laughs> it's just...
1: The- <laughs> I just love the, the juxtaposition of like, watch, go watch like a first season episode, even a second season episode before they bring in this random, oh, let's throw in this character, next door neighbor, goofy kid. And then cut to like, just like when Carl opens the like, opens the door and comes home, like the, the, the audience claps to the like... Remember the audience from Married with Children, how they just sounded unhinged, like yeah, when when yeah. something would happen? Um that audience on steroids uh when Jeel White walks in as Stefan Guys, in like later seasons.
0: You know how on TikTok right now there's this trend going around about the Roman Empire and these yes. women are asking their husbands <laughs> how often they think about the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire here, can we talk about is the drama surrounding family matters we, we will never be over it just because you know what it was like alright and I rewatched it because yeah. of our episode and I just want you to know that all I could think of is this poor fucking man is out on the Chicago streets putting his life on the line he just wants to relax at home and who is this little motherfucker that keeps coming into his house so,
1: you know I have a, I have remorse it's it's I'm thinking about Reginald VelJohnson, Johnson, who was, like, showing up to set for what was supposed to be his... He was supposed to be the Bill Cosby from the he Cosby show. He was just show. the lead
0: in Die Hard.
1: Right. The lead <laughs> in, in Die brain. Hard. Second lead in Die Hard and, and brought on to be the, the centerpiece to this, you know... Uh, this is incredible. Like, black family sitcom... ABC Friday nights spinoff from one of their biggest hits at the time and Um. they're chugging away and everything's going well, right? Everything's the show's doing okay. People like it. Funny Laura Winslow relatable, right? Nice family sitcom. And then hiney ho. And then that guy's entire life became playing second fiddle to this 17 year old kid who just, Wears suspenders and the audience just fawns over. It is.
0: It's um. There's gotta be a psychological study on this because the way it, it's not just. It's not. It can't just be us that are that feel this (laughs) immense like betrayal for him. It can. We cannot be alone. It just.
1: The funny part is. You realize, like, after that happened, they're like, oh, we don't need the sister on the show. They just started cutting characters out, right? Listen, just we got it justice for Laura. People <laughs> lost their jobs because Steve Urkel we,
0: we truly, we truly have to have someone from the show on. I would love it to be Reginald. We, I would love it. We have to get him. Just, I, I think we'd be too starstruck. I don't think we'd be able to handle it. That would be our moments.
1: I will say, and this, I mean, now we're never going to get anyone, but I feel like, especially like reading up on um, on him, um, uh, Bill Johnson, uh, it seems like he's very much married himself, which I guess is, is, a, is a healthy thing to do-ish in the situation, is like, yes. he walks around and like, you know, like as if he was a real cop. It's like, you just played a cop in a movie and a TV show. Like, it's... You know, like, he's very much married himself to his most famous roles, which were, to be clear, just these two things. Like, not that that's the no, only thing he that did. that
0: happens, Tom. The I one know. lady that was on Grey's Anatomy, she just did an interview for something, and she plays one of the doctors on there, Teddy, and she was on a plane with her husband, and somebody was like... Help is there a doctor on board and she started to stand up and her husband like grabbed her and was like what the fuck are you doing and she's like what and asked for a doctor he's like yeah you're not a doctor sit down and she's like i was so embarrassed but it felt so second yeah. nature this shit happens man it's your life um, and he got twinkies thrown at him so he you know what you know how like they give little kids when they go to the visit the police station or the fire station their honorary deputy for the day Maybe we can bring him to the the LAPD and and just get him an honorary badge for a day. I
1: think he has one already. I'm pretty sure he has one.
0: Also, I, mean, I vote we just do original Vel Johnson episode. Honestly, I mean, at this. Also,
1: moment. I mean, it would literally just be this. We Die Hard, Family yeah. Matters, and then that that one scene he's in in Ghostbusters. I was gonna say he's in, yeah, he's,
0: he's in Ghostbusters. Yeah, he's Ghostbusters.
1: Ghostbusters. Like he doesn't even say it right, which is even funnier. I mean, it's very New York cop esque kind like of. It. Um, he's in
0: Turner and Hooch too. Yeah. I don't know where, but Probably and he's plays also the cop. A Crocodile Dundee.
1: Probably plays the cop. Oh my god! Could
0: you imagine? Is
1: that in his writer? He's like, I will do yeah. any movie. Oh I my god! He track. is.
0: He's a detective in Turner and Hooch. How did I not know this? <laughs> oh, I love right.
1: this so much. Well, fun.
0: okay. Anyway, well, happy watch holidays.
1: <laughs> yeah, go watch Die Hard. We've missed you. Um, back.
0: We'll be back next week with more Christmas goodies.
1: Yeah. More Christmas
0: before the Christmas is over. Yeah. Sorry we missed you. All my fault. Alright. Well, see you next time. Alright. Bye! Hans.
2: Bobby. Hi, I'm Kyle. Can We Geek About is a new podcast from Gotham West. Each week, JJ and I will delve into the geekier side of pop culture, from our favorites in science fiction and fantasy to new releases and even maybe rag on some absolute flops we promise that even if you don't like what we have to say you'll like how we say it but anyway can we geek about did you really need me here for this i just needed a ride can we geek about give us a listen subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts